Our new kind of tagline for 23 is recognising, responding and recording to vulnerability. It's about making financial services inclusive and accessible for everyone. Hello everyone and welcome to Every Day's a School Day, a brand new podcast series from St James's Place. Do you want to know how innovative technology is being used to enhance businesses? Or do you want to feel inspired on how you can apply it to yours? Well then, this exciting new podcast series will showcase how immersive tech is being applied within the modern workplace. We'll sit down with some of the biggest and the best minds in the industry to learn about the latest developments and how it's improving businesses globally. We'll cover everything from AI and VR to building bespoke learning platforms and more. We'll also share how we're using tech to enhance L&D, break new ground, change those industry attitudes and inspire other organisations to do the same. Hello and welcome back to Every Day's a School Day. I'm Hannah Frame, Social Learning Tech and Innovation Manager at SJP, and today I'm joined by Joshua Ellick, the VR Digital Engagement Analyst, also at SJP. Hi, Josh. Hello. So this podcast will be one of three episodes which focuses on the immersive L&D training that SJP are creating to support our financial advisors and lead the way with vulnerability training. Vulnerabilities can affect people's decision-making processes, so it's vital that financial advisors are aware of them and act accordingly. A wide range of circumstances can make people vulnerable, including permanent conditions such as ageing, as well as temporary ones such as divorce. Specially trained financial advisors are highly observant to ensure they identify vulnerabilities in their clients and take appropriate action. Today we are joined by two special guests and experts in the field. We have Eddie Grant, who has been the Director of Technical Connections for over six years at St James's Place. Hi Eddie. Hello. And we also have Hannah Coffey, Vulnerability and Client Assistant Manager, also at St James's Place. Hello. After listening today, you'll understand the four key drivers of vulnerability, how our VR training can support, and an overview of what's in scope for SJP. So without further ado, school's in session. So Hannah, the FCA has identified four drivers of vulnerability. Can you explain these at a high level to the listeners? Yeah, of course. So the FCA basically looked at anything and everything that could term any one of us to be under a vulnerable circumstance. And they kind of decided that they would naturally fit into at least one of four key drivers. And so they are health, life events, resilience and capability. And hopefully they are kind of self-explanatory. But of course, ultimately, in health, you've got the likes of both you know physical and mental health, along with things like hearing and, and visual impairments. With life events, you've got the likes of bereavement, retirement, income shock, a relationship breakdown, or perhaps caring responsibilities. Within resilience, you've got the likes of low or erratic income, over-indebtedness, or, or low emotional resilience. And in capability, you've got things like low knowledge or confidence in managing your finances, perhaps poorer literacy or numeracy skills, and a low or non-existent ability with digital skills too. And could you explain more what we mean by financial vulnerability? You know, ultimately, we're talking about financial vulnerability because we work at SJP and that's probably what the partners want to talk about. But it is, I want to stress, really only a, a small section of those vulnerability possibilities. So I guess if you're looking just at financial vulnerability, you're going to be looking at particularly resilience in one of the four key drivers that I just talked about. So that's the likes of erratic income, over indebtedness or low savings, because that will impact quite substantially in what you're able to invest in, any regular or ad hoc withdrawals that you need to take out. 
and I guess capability. So, you know, a client having low knowledge or confidence in managing finances probably needs to be looked after by a financial advisor quite differently to somebody who is very au fait with the financial services world. Yeah, thank you. And why is it really important then that we train our financial advisors to be aware of these four drivers of vulnerability? I think it's important to be aware of them because it's such a shift really in the industry. You know, it's a whole new way of of thinking and looking at our clients. And to look at an individual, you know, just a, a human that sat in front of you, be that somebody that you've known for donkey's years or somebody that you've only just met you don't necessarily look at somebody and immediately think ah yeah that person's vulnerable but if you start to break it down and you get more familiar with the circumstances of vulnerability themselves so you know those examples that sit within health or life events resilience or capability you then start to look for those particular circumstances of potential vulnerability within that client and it helps you you know break it down a little bit more I guess to look to see what your client might be going through and why they might need a little bit more support have I hit the nail on the head or I missed anything out really good explanation I think the only additional bit that I think is really important to add is around people's perception so if you say the word vulnerable which I have to say is the worst word you can possibly use to describe people in these circumstances. What word would you use, Eddie? I think what we're trying to do is to make life more accessible. And I think that's really important. So if someone has hearing or visual impairment, actually, there's no reason at all why they can't make financial decisions for themselves. But what they need is they need us to make it more accessible for them. So if you think about some of the work we've done very recently, now we've just published our first signed video so that the deaf community can actually access the videos that we have produced and we want to do more of those and this accessibility I think is really important especially helping the advisors to think about how do they make their environment more accessible so for example don't ask someone who is in a wheelchair to come to the fifth floor of your office when you don't have a lift and it's a very simple thing but actually People don't see stairs if you don't have to think about it. But if you're in a wheelchair and there's stairs, you actually see them all the time. And for me, rather than using the word vulnerable, it's about making financial services inclusive and accessible for everyone. And I think that term vulnerability, I think, has probably been the worst thing that's happened to dealing with these people in these circumstances. Yeah, that's a really lovely way of putting it. I hadn't thought of it like that. And I suppose if I think from an L&D perspective, we definitely try and make lots of our training as accessible as possible to our advisors, but then also then from the other side, the advisors then to clients when they're meeting them. I mean, Josh, I don't know what your thoughts are with the kind of VR stuff that you already look at in your work about the importance of making it accessible. Yeah, the word vulnerability already has like quite negative connotations. So it's not like really anyone wants to be described as being vulnerable, do they? But yeah, I guess with the virtual reality sort of content that we're creating, for example, try to sort of integrate different ways to make it more accessible for a wider audience. And I guess also one thing we are doing with our virtual reality experiences is trying to deliver them on desktop or sort of different devices, which might be more suitable for other people because I'll be honest with you, yeah, VR training's great, but it's also not for everyone. And so we've got a kind of identify that that's a real blocker for some people and offer training which 
provide similar benefits, but in a medium that they can digest in their own way. I remember the first time you demoed the VR to me. First of all, it makes you focus only on the VR, unlike having multiple screens open and phones and everything else. So you actually have to concentrate, which I think is really important in today's world, because even if you're sitting in a classroom environment, you don't obviously concentrate for the whole time, not giving away any secrets there. But the other thing was how on the one that I went through, you actually told me how much I spoke mm-hmm. to the man and had spoke to the woman. So so you actually got a score around how inclusive you were. And I think we all have bad habits. And I think it's really important that it, it sort of nudges us or highlights those bad habits in a really friendly way. And it makes such a big difference. Oh, it's really important that we do kind of include that in all our training and, and learning that we do. If we switch back then to, and kind of quite topical, now I was talking about this, but the sensitivities around this, how do we identify vulnerable clients or how do we know if someone is vulnerable or require greater kind of accessibility needs? Well, isn't that the million dollar question? Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, probably not one that we're ever really going to manage to to pin down to an A equals B kind of situation, because I guess everybody is just so different. So we talk about all these circumstances of vulnerability that the FCA have given us and that we've created quite a lot of content on here in SJP to make sure that we're mirroring everybody else in the industry. But just because you're going through a divorce, you've recently faced a bereavement, you have retired, you're having children, you're getting married, any one of these things does not mean that you're necessarily vulnerable. You might take it on the chin, it might not affect you at all, but actually somebody else might really need some additional support. So I think that goes back to, you know, what Eddie and I were saying earlier, it's increasing your awareness to be mindful of these situations, to have these conversations and to try and create a really open and safe space with your clients so that they share this information with you and to make sure that whatever they're going through you're making sure that this financial advice is as accessible to them as possible in terms of the sensitivities around it you know of course well actually I think in 99.9% of situations nobody would really want to know that they've been termed vulnerable which is again something we've kind of already mentioned and comes up in all of these conversations and that's unfortunately a term that the FCA put upon us that it is quite difficult to sort of turn your back on and walk away from. You know, if a client's diagnosed a severe or a terminal illness with you, you can always get around how you document it and using kind of special category data consent forms and stuff and making sure that your client gives you that consent so that you can make, you know, notes to that exact effect on the client's CFR. But if it's just in general conversation, I would say, What's really important is focusing on the support that that individual needs. And that's how you make the financial advice that you're providing them accessible rather than the cause or I guess the means to why you're deeming that client vulnerable. If I can throw it out there, would you say it's quite often that you might find clients don't necessarily know they have a vulnerability when indeed they do? I'll take myself, for example, I'm not going to go anything too deep and meaningful, but you know, I bought a house a couple of years ago and I've worked at SJP for seven-ish years, I think now. So having been in, you know, deeply embedded in the industry for at least five years at that point in time, 
I should really have known what I was getting myself into in terms of signing into a mortgage, dealing with solicitors, looking at things like, you know, life and kit cover and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have a scooby what I was doing. And I found it really quite stressful. We were in amongst the pandemic too. That made my life really difficult. At one point, I ended up homeless because my rental had run out. And despite all the legal agreements saying that I would complete on a certain date and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up having to move in with my mum and dad, which I've not done since I was about 18. Then trying to get into the office was crazy difficult. Who's going to look after the dog? I felt like my head was going to explode. But you don't look at me and immediately think I'm necessarily vulnerable. I wouldn't think, maybe you do. But, you know, any kind of simple thing can start the ball rolling and a you know, a small snowball ends up being a massive snowman, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think some of my friends are just again as an example, they've got into like housing situations with their boyfriends and then typically it goes wrong and then similar in situation they're kind of left with nowhere to go. And it's just I suppose it's also just being aware of being kind of like financially independent as well is really important. And may I say, specifically important for us as females that perhaps sometimes do depend more so on males. But that's very stereotypically speaking, but just saying the obvious. But yes, I suppose kind of leading us on then to the support that we give, like what is our key focus at SJP and how are we tapping into our financial advisor community to make sure that they're providing kind of what they need to to their clients? Our new kind of tagline for 23 is recognising, responding and recording to vulnerability. So I guess that's therefore one of our kind of key focuses. And that's really, you know, the three super important steps. So if you learn how to recognize it, so get yourself familiar with those circumstances, know how and where to record the vulnerability and what you should be recording and what perhaps you shouldn't be in terms of GDPR, etc. You know, how to respond to, so how to support that client and perhaps yourself in dealing with you know, whatever vulnerability it is that they're facing and so how you're helping make that financial advice accessible to them. How are we tapping into the financial advisor community? What we ultimately started to do was to have a look at how many of our partnership were recording their clients as vulnerable and to what level. And I think you might ask me this question later, so I might have done myself over here. But what's quite surprising is when the FCA did their research in the Financial Lives Survey, They found that over 53% of the UK population at the time, so that was two years ago, and I think it's dropped down slightly, but not significantly, were vulnerable. So 53% of the UK adult population. Now that kind of says in and around about way, 50% of us that work for SJP might be vulnerable. 50% of us that are partners and advisors might be vulnerable. And therefore 50% of our clients might be vulnerable. So what was really important was to look at the disparity perhaps between how many clients were marked as vulnerable and how we might be supporting those guys versus, you know, what the FCA were saying in terms of how many people were vulnerable. And so we started to, you know, look at what was recorded on Salesforce. And in terms of tapping into the, you know, the partnership community a little bit more, it was doing research through, you know, risk managers and through the new supervisor role to see ultimately what the partnership were missing and wanted from us. So you can always do reading and listen to, you know, like FCA podcasts or go to talks, etc. about vulnerability. But I guess what that doesn't do is ultimately look at how you really have a conversation with your clients in vulnerability. And so that was a big sort of point for us in moving away from just stating facts and figures into actually empowering these difficult conversations. I think you're underselling yourself a bit. Uh, Also, uh, Hannah, 
because I think some of the work that you've done around creating champions within the partnership has been incredibly important. What I think the best form of learning is peer-to-peer learning. So what Hannah's been doing is creating a network of advisors and partners who share best practice, real life experiences. And then she took it a step further with the launch of the Vulnerability Champion Award, which we had the first winner this year. And effectively, in terms of our professional development awards, probably one of the most popular in terms of entries that we've ever had, because what uh, the partnership wanted to do was to share their best practice. And I think Hannah walked away with so many incredible examples of ideas. The signing came from that. And we have a champion, Zoe Taylor, who has done a lot of work in the press after winning the award to share beyond SJP, which I think has been really good. So as I said, Hannah, I think you, you sold yourself short there. It was a real, a real opportunity to say the amazing work that you've actually done over the last couple of years. Talking about those guys, we focus on things like the vulnerabilities that the FCA have kind of given us to look at, but it is quite right, actually. So two out of the three finalists were looking at British Sign Language and have kind of naturally ended up with a deaf and hard of hearing community. So yes, it spurred on a huge, gosh, I wouldn't even know what to call it, eye-opening thing for me, I guess, where we're now trying to provide quite a lot of our content. So that's things like the SCDD, the key fact sheets, risks and rewards, client events, etc. in British Sign Language. And then Zoe Taylor, who was our finalist and first winner of the Vulnerability Champion Award, she really moved into the vulnerability space when a family member was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia, I guess. And and actually, you know, that's a huge vulnerability within our client bank. So actually, it's then making sure that we put in the mechanisms in place to be able to support not only the partnership, but the clients who are facing that particular vulnerability. So we do use the partnership to see which vulnerabilities are really relevant for us in our client bank. If I may, I just pick up one other bit. You know, I did some research a couple of years back and we were looking at what soft skills were really important. And two soft skills came out as the highest one, so empathy and listening skills. And both of those in a traditional sort of format is a piece of work that Hannah's now doing with a number of people within the business to try and see, can we improve people's empathy? When I did my original research, I used Simon Baron Cohen. So Sasha Baron Cohen's brother is a professor at Cambridge University, and he has an empathy test. So I put a lot of advisors through this empathy test, and it was really interesting to see the spectrum. But generally speaking, those who were really good at identifying vulnerability tended to have the higher empathy scores. And then I suppose linking that across, I know the work that Josh is doing with the virtual reality is really focused on building that empathy in a a non-traditional way. I don't know if that's something you wanted to pick up on, Josh. Essentially, yeah, the the virtual reality role play experiences that we're developing and also 360 films that we're developing across empathy. So I know we're working on two pieces of content, ones on economic abuse and coercion and the others on cognitive decline or cognitive impairment. But I think what we're trying to do with these virtual reality experiences is 
on the one hand, we've got these 360 films, which will allow us to actually set a scene where we're creating a 360 film of both of these scenarios. And the idea of this is we can actually put the person in the shoes and actually on the receiving end of economic abuse, for example, or how it feels to to be someone suffering from cognitive impairment. And it's a big like awareness piece. And again, the empathy side of it, because you can actually feel what it's like being that person in their shoes. It's a, a real sort of transformative effect that it has. And then the idea is that we then want to, in addition to that, offer role play experiences where you can take that awareness that you've then developed from experiencing this 360 film and then put it into practice. And so the role plays will essentially teach you how to kind of support those sort of clients and sort of recognize the signs and to act as a positive force for change when someone could be experiencing either of those forms of vulnerability. And I think we don't really want to stop there either. I know we're looking at how these two will land and I imagine it will be very well, but we would want to sort of like increase that so we can kind of create a, a broader awareness of other forms of vulnerability as well. Yeah, I've had some exposure to the VR stuff that you've been looking at, Josh, and it's all really cool. I know the filming for that's in a few weeks, isn't it, with eCity Films, so that's going to be really exciting to see how that develops. But I mean, Eddie, Hannah, what kind of other support are we doing for our advisors? We've kind of already touched on the importance of peer-to-peer learning. And we present that in quite a few different ways. So we've got what we call the vulnerability masterclasses and they go out monthly now. They started at the beginning of 2020 and are still running along nicely. And what I do with those is focus on anything that's kind of topical. So of course, the cost of living crisis came up. The issues with mortgages came up. So I did a session with Paul Johnson and mortgages to address the increases and in, in how clients could interact with lenders and or their mortgage advisors at SJP to kind of deal with that kind of stuff. And then we share best practice with any partners or advisors who are doing anything particularly interesting as with the likes of the vulnerability champions that we talked about earlier. We're also covering off things like economic abuse and responding to or seeing the signs of economic abuse and how you can broach that with clients and or how you can report it and take it further and support them. We're also looking at things like neurodiversity. So how to support clients who may be dyslexic, dyspraxic, have ADHD, anything like that too, which I think is really important. So that's all within our monthly vulnerability masterclasses. We've also got a podcast series, which is aptly named Resilience in a Changing World, but really specifically looks at the cost of living crisis. And I think, you know, that is there actually to support anyone and everyone out in the world, not just staff members and the partnership and clients of SJP. We use TechLink, of course, an awful lot to create things like bulletins and articles, again, based on anything that's happening in the news or the media or that's very topical to keep advisors up to date with any changes on vulnerability or how that weaves itself into consumer duty. And we do quite a few standard webinars or fireside chats, again, with anybody internally. So that's, you know, staff members from different departments, partners and advisors who, again, want to share best practice with each other. And then on top of that, of course, we do have vulnerability online learning modules, which sit very much within L&D. So hopefully you guys are aware of those. There is the the first core online learning module, which was mandatory last year. For anybody that doesn't know, number two will 
rear its head in about June, July this year. And, and you can, of course, always access three, four, five and six at your own leisure if you want to educate yourselves any further. Oh, wow, so there's an abundance of materials then to help our financial advisors. I think for me, something that really stands out is your focus on the, the peer-to-peer learning as well and the social learning. We found, like, obviously in L&D, that's been amazing kind of results from what we've done with our peer-to-peer, going out there and speaking to partners, do a whole range of masterclasses where they kind of share their best lessons and top tips. So I really like what you've done with the champions in the area as well. And I just want to go back and say that what an amazing piece of work you've obviously done, Hannah, with the whole recognise, record and respond um, and finding out all that information. And that's definitely helping drive our kind of VR training too and the work that we're doing together with that. I know we've spoken and working alongside some partners as well that deal with vulnerable clients and specialise in vulnerable clients. So we've got worked very closely, Josh, haven't you, with Carla Brown? Um, and we actually our next episode is going to be with Carla talking about her experience and specifically why VR and empathy for this is really really kind of crucial to tapping into that mindset to understand how you feel in that situation and hence kind of have better development from it because the learning is stronger so it's all just yeah really great what you've done so yourselves and technical connections are truly inspiring so thank you so much before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you both, I don't know who wants to go first, but what is something that you've learned recently that will blow our listeners' minds? I mean, mine's, of course, going to be based on vulnerability. I could have given you anything and everything here. But what I didn't realise was that roughly one in six people over the age of 80 have dementia. On top of that, 43% of them actually aren't formally diagnosed. So it is something that's really quite important. You know, age, age is not in any way, shape or form, a defining factor of vulnerability, but it is something that we need to be aware of. And I think we aren't clinical. Nobody in the financial services industry really is clinical or able to make those decisions, but you are in a professional position to perhaps have the mindset and the ability to remove yourself from being personally involved with a client to see any of these kinds of declines. And actually, maybe you would be the one to mention it carefully to a loved one or a family member of that particular individual to see if you can support them in in actually heading towards getting a diagnosis and making sure that individual is better cared for because who was it a celeb that's come out that had dementia but he's really young Mm. he's only like 50 something is it Bruce Willis? Yeah, Bruce yeah. Willis, yeah. And I think that story has been really kind of powerful because he's not old. He's not what you naturally would associate with having dementia. And it just really highlights the point that it can happen to anyone, can't it? This is like, I think your perception, especially with like Bruce Willis, the type of films he's been in, you kind of get this impression he's a very strong... It's like Superman, he, yeah. it won't happen to him. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you say, it just can happen to anyone. Eddie, what about you? So the family resource survey has just come out and it's highlighted that about 14 million people would class themselves as disabled in the UK. So obviously a much higher proportion than people perhaps perceive it would be. And coming back to my accessibility comment earlier on, the biggest area of disability is mobility. And I think if people really wanted to think about how to tackle vulnerability, but more important, making financial services more accessible, then it's just thinking about their work environment, thinking about what they're asking clients to do. How do you make it more accessible? Are there steps in your office that you just step over every day that other people may struggle to do? If you're focusing on the long-term care market, is your office environment accessible? So I think that 
for me, that's quite a recent stat, really highlights the, the challenge that a lot of advisors perhaps should be facing into, which is about how do we make financial services more accessible. It was like your point earlier, wasn't it? You wouldn't have a client potentially come to the fifth floor if that's not possible for yep. them. So yeah, having that whole thinking around what the client's needs are. Also, I know, Hannah, you mentioned earlier, but the neurodiversity, it was obviously neurodiversity week not too long ago. And lots of people in the office and the work, they kind of spoke up and raised awareness about that. I was just kind of almost blown away by how many people are like neurodiverse and whatever that might look like for them. And it is that education and awareness piece, which is you've guys have done an amazing, amazing job with everything that you do. And it's just then how can we support you here in L&D, which is why it's really exciting that we're working together to create these VR 360 films and and role plays there we go listeners that really does prove that every day is a school day so thank you so much for joining us on this episode Hannah and Eddie it's been amazing to have you and find out kind of more around the four drivers of vulnerability and the work that you've been doing I hope you've enjoyed it it was lush to be invited on today and hopefully that's really helped you guys all in terms of recognizing recording and responding to vulnerability nice and Eddie I hope you've enjoyed too it's been absolutely brilliant and uh, thank you for allowing us to share what we've been doing in technical connection across the business and thank you so much josh for stepping in and we'll see you on the next episode where we're talking to carla brown all around our vr vulnerability in more detail yeah no i'm looking forward to it and it's been great to be part of this one too so thank you so that's it for this first episode in this series i hope you enjoyed it as much as we have our next episode will cover real life examples with partners as well as speaking to an empathy scientist specifically around why VR training works so well. Our final episode will then be a detailed overview of the training that SJP are creating, as well as being able to tell you all about an exciting partnership that we have as part of this work. Until then, school's out.